Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, mate, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, hi there. This is the Working Fans Podcast. We are Southeastern Connecticut's premier up-and-coming wrestling talk podcast. We are trying to evolve and bring you the best product every week so that you can listen to it, be involved in it, and be a part of what we're doing. We're going to be changing up some of our formats coming up, trying new things, seeing how they work, and we want your feedback. So please reach out to us on all of our major platforms. Let us know what we're doing, what you like, what you don't like, and give us that feedback. All right, it's time for our first interview here on the Working Fans Podcast. We're lucky this week we've lined up one of the main referees from Major League Wrestling. We've got Doug Markham. Enjoy this interview and let us know what you think. All right, hi everybody. This is the Working Fans Podcast. I'm the fan Dave. I'm here with my boy AJ. And we got on today our first interview, Major League Wrestling's number one referee, Mr. Doug Markham. Doug, how you doing today, bud? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure's all ours. You're here with uh, my buddy AJ as well. Doug, it's very nice to meet you, sir. You too, man. I don't know if I'd call myself the number one MLW referee. I kind of throw that over to Frankie. You know, Frank Gastineau, he's uh, he's a senior official of MLW, but I appreciate the, the plug there. <laughs> no problem, Doug. Doug. Got to give my boy a shout out. <laughs> a boy. Doug, where did you uh, grow up? I uh, grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, actually. That's where I was born and raised. Nice, nice. Did you get to uh, work with Bobby Eaton at all? Uh, do what? Did you get to work with uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton at all? Well, I travel with Bobby a lot now. We became friends over the past several years. I do get to hang out with him and travel with him. And so, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's always great to be able to pick the brains of somebody who's had that many years of experience. I was lucky. I trained to wrestle many, many years ago and worked for 10 years. I trained with Adrian Street down there in Pensacola. So it was always good to have a chance to pick somebody's brain when you're traveling. Yeah, Adrian Street, man. I remember, you know, when I was a kid watching him work down in Continental because being from Huntsville, I was all about any kind of wrestling I could watch. And I got Continental out of Birmingham. And that's kind of when I got introduced to Adrian Street. So I was always a fan of him, too. So did you grow up uh, on Continental? What other wrestling did you catch your eye, Doug? What got you into wrestling? started out like when I was a kid, you know, in Huntsville, Nick Gulas was running that territory and they would run the Madison County Coliseum every Friday night. And that's kind of how I cut my teeth on the business, so to speak. My dad and mom were friends with Bobby Eaton and Orville Hutto, which was 
was the guy that got me in the business when they were teenagers. They all ran around together, so I kind of like, from a really early age, you know, like four or five years old, from the time I knew what I was looking at is something that I was just mesmerized by, and it was always something that I wanted to be involved with. What made you decide to go in as a referee instead of, say, a wrestler or something of that nature? thing came about probably when I was about 12 years old. Of course, as a little kid, I always wanted to be a wrestler. The only thing I ever cared about was wrestling when I was growing up. And probably about the time when I was 12, I started noticing Tommy Young. And at the time, I didn't know what a role, you know, was for a referee totally. But I would watch Tommy and see that he was different. Like, you know, he... He had the facial expressions. He sold all the moves. It was just like, this guy's different. And I kind of just started watching him and studying him. And that's basically Tommy Young, Earl Hebner, Jerry Calhoun, all those guys I watched growing up. Like, really, that's how I started wanting to be a ref. It's just like watching all those guys and studying them. Did uh, you get to meet Tommy at all? I have met Tommy a few times. Actually, uh, the first time I met him was at WrestleCade, like, I think in 2016, maybe. Then I actually got to do a seminar with him in 2017. And then again, last year, I actually was there with him and Earl Hedner at the same time. We got a picture together because I was like, this is like my two referee idols in the same fucking room at at the same time, you know what I mean? Like, a hundred percent. I mean, when I grew up watching wrestling in the eighties, it was NWA, WWF, and it was Earl and Tommy were the two referees that stuck out the most for sure. Yeah, and, and it's crazy now. Like Earl, you know, I'm friends with Earl, and it, it's still like I don't know. It, it's kind of surreal. He likes me, and he has since day one. And it, it, even though I know him now, it still blows my mind, man. I'm like, <laughs> I imagine. When we were kids, I got to tell you a funny story, Doug. Dave was a big WWE fan. He did watch NWA also, but I was a big NWA fan. And when the Hulk Hogan thing happened, where um, you had the twin referees, a lot of people were shocked by it and blown away. But I had actually seen Earl Hebner more with the NWA than I had ever seen Dave Hebner. So for me, it wasn't quite as shocking. Yeah, a lot of people that... You know, I guess maybe, well, now they do, but I guess back then they didn't realize, you know, that Earl worked for Crockett and NWA, and, and Dave was the one that was in WWF before. And But, I mean, that, that angle is still one of the best ever. Uh, yeah. you know, it was great. It's a great angle. The, the fact that they were able to pull that off was absolutely amazing. Who have been the people who have helped you along the way the most would you would you say it's your Tommy Youngs and your Dave Hebners or have there been other people like now you have Court Bauer who obviously running MLW or is there other people like that got you started maybe? Oh man, there's so many people that have helped me since I got in the business that I couldn't begin to like name them all. And you know when I first broke in, I was working in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, and Tom Renet I mean Tim Renesto, I'm sorry, Tim. He was booking that promotion that I was working for at the time, and I got to work with you know guys like Dante and Mephisto and Tim Renesto and Gypsy Joe. Man, like he would come and hang out in the locker room so I would get to hear stories about him and, and 
stuff that he would tell. And probably, I hadn't even been in the business a year yet, and I got a meeting with Tony Falk, who was running USWO at the time in Nashville at Stadium Inn. And I went up and had a meeting with Tony Falk, and I kind of credit him as giving me my first big break, I guess you could say, because he ran every Friday night, and he would always put the shows on YouTube and all that. And he liked me from day one, and so I started working for him, and I started getting noticed from other people, I guess, from the YouTube and word of mouth, that type of thing. And I met a lot of people there at Stadium Inn that I, you know, went on to become good friends with in the business. Wolfie D., Oh, yeah. Chase Stevens. There's, I mean, there's so many people that, that I met there at that place for the first time, all because of Tony Falk. So. Yeah, I got to say, Doug, it's real ironic because before you called, me and AJ were watching the second episode of uh, NWA Power, and Tony Falk was actually on there doing a little ad. <laughs> so. <laughs> He's such a good dude, man. Yeah. Now, you've worked with the NWA before, haven't you? I did. Uh, any chance you're going to be doing any work with them again, any of the uh, studio tapings? I don't know. I'm not going to say that I won't because that's one thing I've learned in this business is you never say never. Um, I've heard that. I worked for the NWA under the Bruce Stark reign, so to speak. I haven't done anything, you know, now with Billy and Lagana simply because they haven't asked me. I mean, to be honest. They have a great crew, Robert King and Brian Hefner, two of the best. I'm friends with both of them. I'm just, I mean, if the offer's there, then yeah, I'll do it, definitely. But, I mean, I had my I had my little run with NWA back when we were doing the, the deal the way it was then, I guess you could say. But, which that was kind of cool for me, man, because, you know, growing up, on Crockett and NWA stuff like that. That was that was like a little dream come true, man. I'll be honest with you. As a um, former wrestler, I got to work Plant City. I got to work um, in Alabama. I got to work in Dothan, places of that nature. Up here in the Northeast, I got to work for Yankee Pro Wrestling. And I'm sad that um, in the times that I worked, I worked from '94 until 2004. And in that time, there was no real NWA presence. And that's one of the things that I'm a little bit sad about is that I never got an opportunity to um, wrestle for the NWA. So I, I understand completely where you're coming from. But let's focus on the future now. You're doing a great job with MLW. I know you guys have the Fusion television show, which is amazing. You've got um, Saturday Night Super Fight coming up November 2nd. That's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern time with an absolutely loaded card. And one of the things that we love about um mlw is that the referees are respected quite frankly you guys do a tremendous job in there of actually making sure that the wrestlers are giving respect to the referees and when it comes to enforcing the rules and stuff of that nature that goes so far to telling a storyline and i think that a lot of times that gets lost in some of the major promotions and i i think that it's absolutely amazing the job you guys do um, have you found, being in the MLW, that they are doing a good job of focusing on the reality of wrestling? Oh, absolutely. Um, MLW is, I'll try to answer it, the question, um, yes, they do a tremendous job. Court Bauer is like 
one of the best people I've ever worked for, to be honest, as far as being like a perfectionist and he wants shit done the right way and he, you know, he, he wants the referees to do their job and be a be an authority figure and and that's a lot of reason I think why me and Frankie both get a lot of recognition out of that, not only because it's a national thing, but because we, you know, do our job the way they're supposed to be done. I mean, I can tell you, Doug, you've done such a good job that you've actually impressed us enough where we wanted to actually get our first interview in. And one of the first people we came to was yourself as a referee and the effect that you're having on that show. So thank you very much for the job that you're doing. Well, thank you for noticing and thank you for having me, man. Hey, uh, Doug, one other question. You know, MLW, I just know they're doing a thing with uh, Crash in Mexico. Have you got to go to any, like, uh, crazy places that you weren't expected to go so far in uh, this career? So far, no. As far as, like, out of the country, I haven't worked out of the country yet, but that's something that I'm really hoping happens in the future. I would love to go to Japan. I would love to go to Mexico, Canada. Just, you know, there's several little items on the old bucket list that I haven't checked off yet that, that I hope pans out in the future. But uh, MOW has definitely been something since I've been with them for a year now, basically. I've missed a couple of shows, but I've pretty much been with them for a year, and I've gotten more exposure in this past year than I probably have in the past five. And I cannot thank MLW and Court Bauer and MSL enough for everything that they've done for me. Um, the whole crew there at MLW is just amazing. Like the backstage, the agents, the the production, the just everything, man. It's, it's top notch, and I'm really having the time of my life right now, to be honest with you. Oh, that's awesome, Doug. Yeah, it's uh, actually one of our favorite promotions, too. I mean, I've never seen such a blend of, like, MMA, luchador, and a lot of, like, the old-school talents just all in one. Yes, it's, uh, I've described it before as, like, it's kind of like, to me, it's the old Jim Crockett storylines mixed with an ECW type feel like because you know you have your storylines that that go out and they play out and they they end up with you know the way they're supposed to so to speak but then you have shows that have the hardcore matches or the bunkhouse matches like Lance Warner and Jimmy Havoc they had that that one in Dallas that was just freaking great. So there's like a mixture of everything in it. And I mean, honestly, I know this is you, this, this phrase is used a lot in wrestling, but MLW literally has something for everybody. I would agree. Absolutely. Well, as we wind this down, Doug, can you do us a favor? Let everybody know where they can get a hold of you. Let the fans know how they can contact you, and that way they can thank you also for what you do. Uh, we really appreciate the time you've spent with us today. So please, um, tell, if you have anything to plug, please let us know. Um, 
my social media, um, on Facebook, just, uh, look up Doug Markham. It's my personal page, but I only use it for wrestling related stuff for the majority of it. I'll throw a joke on there every now and then, but it's pretty much just all wrestling. Um, Instagram is at Doug Markham one two three. Twitter is also at Doug Markham one two three. And if you would like to pick up one of the shirts that I have on my online store, that would be at whatforapparel.com forward slash D Markham. And at the moment, I have about five T-shirt designs on there. Um, looking to add some more. I got some stuff in the works right now that's going to be good whenever it drops. Well, Doug, I can tell you this. We're going to go on there and we're going to grab a couple of those T-shirts. We appreciate the time that you've actually spent with us today. We've taken up um, 20 minutes of your day, and I know you're a busy man. So thank you very much from myself. I'm AJ. And I'm Dave, Doug. We appreciate everything you did for us today, man. You're the first guy to get this thing started, so we appreciate it a lot, man. Guys, I appreciate you having me, man. Every every minute that somebody hears me talking is either a minute that they fucking hate me or they want to hear more of, and I appreciate you helping me get myself out there, man. Well, have a great day, Doug, and God bless, my friend. It's time to talk wrestling. Dave, what do you have for us this week? Something I noticed this week... And I want to tell fans, too, like when we're recording this stuff, like I don't know how what the time period's going to be, but we just finished watching Friday Night Smackdown, the second episode just happened. But the first episode last week, I noticed something. Cain Velasquez comes out, challenges Brock Lesnar. I'm a big MMA guy, all right? I'm probably the biggest MMA guy out of all of us besides big pro wrestling. And so I know Kane's legit. I know Kane is a guy that didn't explain that. He beat Brock Lesnar for the UFC Heavyweight title. However, I couldn't help but notice there were comments the next day that Kane should have kept his shirt on. Kane looks like Dominic. And it got me thinking. I think me and you, Adam, have had this conversation before. What's more important nowadays, looking legit or being legit? Now, obviously, you got to be able to cut a promo. you got to be able to work in the ring. But if you can only have one other attribute nowadays, which you've got to look the part or be the part, and is that different than 20 years ago. All right, so here's my problem with this situation. You've got people saying this, but these are the same people that are 100% behind Kevin Owens. Right. So now you have people judging a legit badass like Cain Velasquez because he doesn't look legit Mm -hmm. when you're also cheering for people like Samoa Joe. Sure. uh, Kevin Owens. And I'm not knocking either one of them because to me, those are two of the best wrestlers that we got on the planet. Right. But how can you cheer them in one breath and talk on the other side of your face and not Kane Velasquez. And is that because Kane just doesn't have the the background and been in pro wrestling as long? Well, is, that, exactly is that probably what, what it is? That's exactly what it is. People don't realize that Kane Velasquez has actually been wrestling and working on becoming a professional wrestler. And they're not giving him the benefit of the doubt because like so many of the WWE fans, mm-hmm. and this might get me into trouble, but they're freaking blind and they're ignorant when it comes to the independent wrestling scene. So some of them have no idea what Cain Velasquez has been doing. Mm-hmm. They don't know the NMA. They don't know what a badass this guy is. I would even say even some of the indie fans would be just as wrong here. They would criticize him too. You they don't think know. after those first couple of weeks, though, they laid enough of the story in the show to give you an idea who he is if you weren't previously familiar? I think WWE, they mentioned him. Now, 
that's nice. That's a good start. Maybe some video packages or something can be introduced here. Okay, now hold on. Did you notice that he kept his shirt on this week? I did not notice that. But okay. He actually kept his shirt yeah. on this week. Mm-hmm. He did not get mixed up, did not actually go down to the ring. They came out, did the promo, kept his shirt on, brought him back. Well, we're getting a little way. Like, I mean, I could definitely say, like, you know, booking Kane. That's another story. Like, we're rushing this and we're sending him to Saudi Arabia. That's going to be one of a payday with this. So that, that's another story. <clears throat> I guess what I want to get back to, though, is in this day and era... Is it more important to look the part or to be a legit badass in pro wrestling? Uh, in pro wrestling, it's always more important to actually, unfortunately, look. Mm-hmm. And there's a very serious reason for that. It's because perception is reality. Is reality right. And especially in the WWE fan base, if people don't look legit, if you're not mm-hmm. a larger human being or a smaller one that just does extraordinary things... Yeah. You're not going to have the push in the WWE like, or from the fan base. Like, Braun Strowman looks like the baddest ass in that room. And I'm sure he is a badass. But he's not the toughest guy in that room right there. Kane would have to bloody up Brock like Brock bloodied up Randy Orton for anybody to put together how dangerous he is. Unless That's they're a great idea. A now, in fairness, nine years ago, he did. Yeah. True. But uh, <laughs> WWE yeah, television, a bigger platform, that would well, definitely... Yeah. It goes back to the old, if a tree falls in the forest. But now here's the thing. Was this different 20 years ago was my point too. Oh, yeah. Was it more important about being a badass back then and looking the part? Well, it was. But even back then, if you look at the person sure. they brought in, they brought in Ken Shamrock. Mm-hmm. Ken Shamrock looked like a legitimate badass because he was chiseled like a Greek god. And we knew he was a legitimate badass. But who else did they bring in with him? Dan Severn. Dan Severn. How far did Dan Severn get over in the WWE compared to Ken Shamrock? Although Dan couldn't cut promos, too. He could not cut promos. Cain Velasquez, does he speak English? No, 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 no. I'm not saying (laughs) that. I'm just making a point here that that would have been... I mean, he did a great job of using Rey Mysterio as a translator this week. But going forward after Saudi Arabia, does he have a future in the WWE without being able to speak? You're going to have to give him a mouthpiece. Is Ray going to be his manager for the rest of his career? That's interesting. And I mean, speaking of Kane coming in, one of the things that I was big on this week was just the crown jewel event. Now, Strowman versus Fury, that's a big name. Mm-hmm. I'm not as excited about that as I am the Brock Kane match. Sure. I don't know what else they're going to have on this, but early on, the build is good. They went to a very reality based promo mm-hmm. about uh, Kane and the scar under his eye. Really bringing in the legitimacy to it. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm glad you're excited about that. I actually find the matchmaking interesting too. I worry about Fury and Braun. I don't know anything that Fury's capable of doing in a wrestling ring and Braun leading him. Uh, oh, However, <laughs> uh, Kane and Brock, God, man, there's money to be made there and we're just rushing this. I'm excited to see it because it's novel, but the fact that Kane's going to be around. I actually heard a great idea for this though. Um, going a little off here, but uh, somebody had an idea that Kane has a knee problem, potentially, like a legit knee problem, and maybe they should try to run an angle where Brock actually injures his knee here. And this way, you know, you still got heat on this feud, and you can build this match again down the road, too. You're going to run into this problem with these Saudi Arabia shows, where right. previously you'd have to build to a WrestleMania. Now you've got... How many Saudi shows are there? Two a year? So that's yeah. like three WrestleManias worth. One of which is going to get the big build because it's seen everywhere. The Saudi shows, it's really just a paid show. So I don't know if it's what they want or just the biggest names they can get. The thing is, there's no storylines exactly. that matter going into the Saudi Right, show. right. Let me ask you both a question. You were a boxing fan when uh, you were younger, correct, Joe? 
little bit. A little bit, right? You watched a little bit of boxing. I love boxing. Bo- okay. When I was a kid, right, I'd have, like, you know, you're playing with your action figures and stuff like that. And I always wondered, because I didn't know pro wrestling wasn't a shoot at the time, mm-hmm. oh, who would win these matches between pro wrestlers and boxers? And then now you have MMA guys. Well, to me, the prince, whoever is in Saudi Arabia, has a ton of money. And he's making that happen for himself. Like, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to pay for Tyson Fury to come over here. And, well, and funny- he's guaranteed to get a better ending than the Inoki right, Ali yeah. match or any other time that this has been attempted, we, right? Well, we might disagree on this, but I think overall wrestlers have done very well in MMA. Because when you're able to work people to the ground and work it down in that style, you do a very good job. Legit wrestlers. Legit wrestlers. I'm not talking about Braun Strowman. Right. That's the Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury. If this is legitimate, Tyson Fury's going to knock his ass out. Right. That's my opinion. If you disagree with it, I don't care. I agree because I think Braun's a strong (laughs) man. I don't have any record about him fighting. If we're talking about fighting. Yeah. Tyson Fury's a big dude. He looks about to be as tall and not taller. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, and he has punch. But yeah. So. Yeah, and this with, is something when it's happened in Japan, it's worked out so-so. Because Nakamura's had a couple MMA fights that didn't necessarily work out so well. Well, I And also, I believe that's because Inoki almost overstepped their abilities, wanting it to seem legitimate. Well, I know there's also a group of people out there that are going to be like, yeah, but you saw Conor McGregor and, you know, he struggled... But they were wearing boxing gloves and were boxing. Right. That's a Conor McGregor's a striker. Yeah. There's a lot of different things. If he's going if, if Conor McGregor's in a cage with Floyd Mayweather and it's not just boxing rules, I feel that that's a completely different fight. And I feel that Floyd May- Mayweather Jr. is going to have a lot more trouble than what we saw in the boxing ring. I'll tell you what, I got something else I want to talk about this week too. And it kind of plays in. We're talking about legit looking the part. Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger. No, you're a big fan, Adam. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm a fan of it. Yeah. I watched the first head-to-head NXT AEW show at my buddy Kristen's house. And while we were watching this, he kept wondering who the Lex Luger was going to be for uh, AEW. Who was going to show up. And Jake Hager shows up. And now we're comparing the shows. And Kristen's watching AEW every week, by the way. But in that moment, he goes, Ha, Jack Swagger's your Lex Luger? That's lame. And I thought, oh, okay. That's interesting. But I get it because that's the way he was probably booked. And then I heard um, uh, the Sunday Night's Main Event podcast basically said the same thing. They were talking about, oh, that's kind of lame. And I like this podcast. They do great interviews with people. CBS Combat Sports, Brian Campbell, a guy who does like MMA, pro wrestling, everything. He loved AEW. They all loved AEW. They all said the same thing. They were like, eh, Jack Swagger, the, the dork from WWE, was someone had quoted. And then I was talking to uh, one of the guys, peek behind the curtain. I deliver bread for a living. There's a guy who delivers chips, huge wrestling fan. He was telling me he watched it, and he didn't like... He didn't understand why Swagger was there. Why did they get that guy? But then he said, when he watched it the second week, he was like, oh, I get it now. It works. He works here. And you know what? The WWE just did such a bad job of burying him, which I knew already. But I'm asking you guys, have you heard this kind of backlash about Swagger, first off? And secondly, why is he going to get over if he is going to get over? Is it Jericho? Is it the position of being an enforcer? That reminds me of Kevin Nash, who was a lame gimmick in WCW as Vinny Vegas, and then came over as Diesel with Shawn Michaels and got himself over. Uh, first off, I'm going to touch base on this, because as you know, I am a Jack Swagger. I, I know you are. I think Jake Hagar, we're going to call him by the right name now, sure. Jake Hagar. And he, because quite frankly, the WWE did bury him. And God bless Chris Jericho for what he said in the second week Mm. when he actually, when the people were doing the We the People. Right. And he actually said, 
okay, first of all, that's dead, and the WWE is lame, and it's yeah. a lame storyline, and Chris Jericho is going to help catch uh, Jake Hager over. Yes. And I am a... This guy is legit. He's legit. He looks the part, too. Well, you guys know... Okay, you can't see this. You don't know this. I'm 6'3". I'm 280 pounds. Standing next to Jake Hagar, I was probably about two inches, three inches sure. shorter than him. Yeah. And he is a legit beast. Yeah. When they use him properly and they keep him as that silent fury and he comes in and he just destroys people, mm -hmm. you are going to take this legitimate athlete who was a college All-American and now doing very well in MMA and you are going to turn him into something that he should have been all along. Yeah. When the WWE brought him in there and turned him into the joke that they did, they hurt their own product and they hurt his guy. For those other podcasts who actually say that Lex, that he's a horrible representation of Lex Luger, Lex Luger was a horrible representation of Lex <laughs> Luger. And if you remember when he came on to Nitro, he was a joke by that time. He was coming off the Allied Forces and had already done the job for Yokozuna. So those are the people that are remembering that. Screw mm. off. You're wrong. Jake Hagar is great. Time is everything. The tough thing about... Jake Hager is I was this is big with him in AEW he had a major debut in MLW and I, I'm almost sad that that run gets overlooked because they had an awesome angle with him and Tom Lawler there was a match that they actually did inside an octagon in an oh. MMA gym early on I believe it was one of the first 10 or 15 oh. episodes and to me that was the coolest way that Hager was ever shown since WWE. And I think this is going to be a similar build to that. Mm -hmm. And those of us that are fans of ML MLW can tell you we saw a different side of Jake Hagar there than we saw in the WWE. And I think fans of AEW you should be looking forward to this. One thing I want to say to you get back to that for one second is that Jericho promo. When the fans are chanting "We the people" That's over to a certain extent. There's two things though. One, they could just be mocking him. Or two, it's over but it's reminding you of WWE. So when Jericho fucking shits on that, he's killing it either way and putting over, this is a new Jake Hager. And I know it's off subject. I love it. It's off subject and we can talk about this later, but Jericho's a genius. Yeah. Other than the fact that he thought we were in Baltimore, he's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, AEW premiered this week, but so did MWA. Oh, oh And this is, I, I would have to say, one of the best new things to come out. Okay, so actually, I was wanted to bring this up today. Like, in my head, I wanted to ask you guys, this is the one thing I was wondering if you guys would be interested in talking about. NWA is old, new. Because, oh. like, this hasn't been around for years, so this is new. So, uh, again, one of my buddies, we watched uh, NXT and AEW together. He wasn't around this time period, and he loved it. He thought this was all great, the promos, the opening. As you guys know... Yeah. I'm giddy as a schoolgirl right now because I've been looking forward to this. Mm. This is something that brings me back to my childhood. I watched studio wrestling, not just NWA studio. Well, I guess it was all NWA, but all the platforms used to do this before um, World Class kind of changed it around a little bit. But if you watch Florida Championship Wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, Memphis. all of them were done. Memphis, all of them were done in this studio style. And it is such an intimate style. You have such great promos this week. For the first time in my life, I thought Nick Aldis had personality. Mm. It absolutely just tells you it's, it's incredible. It draws out people. Yeah. And the fans are on top of the product. 
So they're in there and they are cheering and you're hearing the excitement. What did you guys feel? Cornette looked giddy as a schoolgirl, by the way. Oh, <laughs> dropping just the right amount of history. He has everything you need to know about it. Mm-hmm. You got the NWA Heavyweight Championship. You've even got Eddie Kingston and Homicide. The which, way, to me, I no, can't believe they're on the show. Eddie Kingston, fantastic promo, by the way. Off the cuff when he's joking around with the announcer. How many solid promos were on? Or what were the bad promos from this show? I, think you want to I didn't think there was There was bad. none. Yeah. That, that's the question. Yeah. It was, Eli Drake, Nick Aldis. James Storm killed it. James Storm. Eli Drake, to me, one of the most underrated promo guys in wrestling. Tim Storm killed it. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he got Storm. me in there talking about his mom yeah. and everything. Uh, see, I like Tim Storm, and one of the reasons I like Tim Storm is as an old wrestler, mm-hmm. this guy's 50 years old. Yeah. He makes me excited. And he puts over the NWA belt. His passion exactly. generates for the NWA belt. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I want this guy winning. If we can have this kind of passion about every form of wrestler and have wrestlers this excited on a daily basis, one of the problems that I think we can agree with the, on the WWE right now is that it's passionless. It's people that are basically coming out, playing a part, yeah. going through the motions every week, going through their storylines, and there's no passion, and they don't draw you in that way. Right. This drew me in. I can't wait for Tuesday. Yeah. Very true. Now, AJ, speaking of older wrestlers giving it a try, last time, one of the last times we had met, and this is the reason we're changing up our format, is nothing's really up to date for us. Things are happening out of order. Two weeks ago, we released an episode where AJ talked about going down to create a pro, and we didn't get a chance to discuss that with him. So, how did that trip end up for you? It was good. I mean, it gave me a chance to see some of the younger wrestlers. It's a bit of a hike for me to go to Long Island, so I don't think that that's going to be the one that I choose to train at, but they're absolutely incredible. And when you look at the product that they're turning out, and you see what they've been able to do with trainers like Pat Buck. It's absolutely incredible, and they put on those great shows constantly, and I'm very excited with what they're doing. I am gonna check out XWA next. Uh, That's in Warwick, it's a little bit closer to where I am than going to Long Island every week. With traffic figured in, Exactly, well that's the problem. Going to Warwick, there's no traffic. Going to Long Island, it goes from being what would naturally be a two hour trip for me, to now a three-hour trip because wow. going through Throgsdale. Whereas going to XWA is legitimately under two hours for me. And I'm very excited about that. Of course, they've got great trainers there also. That school is run by... Matt Taven. Matt Taven. And, of course, WWE's pride and joy right now, Mr. Oh, yeah. um, Mike Canellis. Mike Canellis, <laughs> yes. Now, how tough is it to pursue wrestling while working? I, How do you fit that in? How well, do you fit in the time to podcast? Well, 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 here's the big thing. The next day after checking out Creator Pro, I did have to go to work. And I can legitimately tell you that I was moving at about zero miles per hour at work. And because you only have so many bumps on your bump card. And having spent a good amount of those in my 20s, I took a bump for the first time. I'm 43 years old. I took a bump for the first time in a decade, and that next day it hurt. And you build up and you work towards it, hmm. but not longer than a decade, actually. Exactly. <laughs> like two. But yeah. yeah, but trying to fit in the time period with being married, having a full-time career, and trying to fit the podcast in too. Yeah, it, it's a lot of work, but it's a passion thing. 
And anybody who listens to this podcast is going to know we are very passionate about what we do. We care very much about wrestling. We love wrestling. We love not just mainstream wrestling, but independent wrestling. And we have the utmost respect for what these guys do. And we really, to take the time to create this, we really got to carve time out yeah. of what little free time we have after working full time. Right, we're the working fans because we're working. <laughs> and one of the few shows uh, independent that I enjoyed recently was Uncharted Territory. They made their comeback a couple weeks ago. And on not the last episode, because obviously I was working, the week before they rekindled a matchup between... Jay Freddy and Brandon Thurston. They've wrestled a couple times for Beyond, and Jay Freddy is like the modern day Benoit. If you haven't seen him, you gotta watch this guy. Brandon Brandon Thurston. He is part of the WrestleNomics podcast uh for the Voices of Wrestling Network. Did he have an injury? Have you heard his neck? I don't know if you heard his neck, but he trains out of Buffalo. Okay. The guy that he did WrestleNomics radio with went on to become part of the financial part of the AEW. Wow. He works on like their business end. No kidding. So I don't, Dave. I don't know if you've caught any of the new Uncharted I territories, but Brandon Thurston versus Jay Freddy is a match to watch. Okay. And I hope it's a rivalry that goes forward. Also, Tony Deppin, huge heel out of GCW, very good at what he does. He entered the Discovery Gauntlet, uh, and that's another thing worth seeing. Now that I'm only down to one job, I've got more than enough time to keep up with Uncharted Territory. Nice. So I'll let you know about that going forward. One of the last things that kept me really excited this week was Superhumans made his debut <laughs> in a couple of wrestling federations. I saw a picture of him and Joey Ryan. Uh, yep, the- they did something. Uh, in GCW for the Curtain Call show for Orange Cassidy, or no, it was for Jungle Boy, Joey Janela. They had Superhuman on the show, and he made an in-ring performance, and he also had some videos during the GCW intermission. Some of his and some that he did with the people there. I don't know if we've gotten deep into Superhuman. Mm. AJ, I know you're less a fan. Yeah. I think me and... Dave get a kick out of him. What do you find so offensive about him? Uh, he's an untrained act, comedy act, that basically makes it look like what we do has no thought put into it whatsoever. And when you go out like that and you do those silly stunts and stuff of that nature, you're putting yourself at risk. You also have other kids that are going to see this on YouTube mm-hmm. and stuff of that nature and are going to actually put themselves at risk because they're like, well, if this dork can do it, why can't we do it? You think everybody's going to chug hot sauce and jump into a pile of tree branches? I, I Maybe you remember when Jackass came out a few years ago and all of a sudden these schmuck kids just all of a sudden started doing all this stupid shit? I, I want to clarify a little bit here because I could be wrong. You can correct me. I think what you're saying too is the act of superhuman is something you're not a fan of. Yes. We don't know the person. A superhuman <laughs> as a person might be the nicest person on the planet. I have a feeling he's especially nice. Yes. I'm not knocking him as a human being, and right. I'm not knocking. Um, I, I realize we all have things that we do. To be honest, which I'm knocking the person who films them more because I think that somebody's taking advantage of this young kid. Is good friend Paul do. not such a good friend? That's I, I. That's what I'm suggesting. Well, you and, know what? The and, kid's over though. 
Yeah, and good friend Paul, if you disagree with me, hey, you can meet me in the ring, and we'll videotape that. They they got more YouTube <laughs> followers than us at the moment. You guys got to get us over the hump. We're at three well, right now. Well, to be fair, I saw a picture of Superhuman touching Joey Ryan's dick. Maybe if I get to touch Joey Ryan's dick, we can get over it, too. No, 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 wait a minute here, because I, I, I actually, I want to put this That's in the ring, by the way. No, wait a minute. I want to put this challenge out there. Okay. If good friend Paul wants to meet me in any organization, in any ring, at any time, <laughs> I'd be more than glad to meet up with him and we can find out who the actual good friend is. We can videotape it and I'm more than happy to give all the profits to charity. Oh, shots fired. Uh, that was the last thing on my list. What else have you guys been right. keeping up with? On this my week? list, as you guys know, I'm a bit of a fan of women's wrestling. I think the independent mm -hmm. scene right now is absolutely incredible. I was at the Evolve in um, New York where I got to see Allison Kay versus um, Shotzi Blackheart, and that was a hell of a match. But Shotzi Blackheart in the last Evolve has actually been signed now to a WWE NXT contract, and I think that that actually brings a little legit, more even more legitimacy to um, NXT. And if they bring her in right away and put her into the mix, you're talking about somebody who can challenge um, Shayna Baszler very quickly. I don't know how much you've seen over days. I have not. I've not seen a lot of her. Very high impact moves, very credible, striking, good wrestler, very, very legitimate. One thing I like is that uh, you're talking about women's wrestling. That was something that caught my eye this week a little bit. The Kabuki Warriors, Kairi Sane and Asuka, they won the women's tag title match uh, last week's Hell in a Cell, which got panned because of the ending of the main event. But uh, what I thought was interesting was the Green Mist made a cameo. You know, look back at the Green Mist. And another podcast I was listening to, again, too, they were, they were talking about how, like, oh, the Green Mist, like, oh, that's so cheesy and in the 70s and such a stereotype, you know? And I was talking about it with a few people. Everybody loved the Green Mist because they were all like, oh, that reminds me back of Muda. And they started telling me stories about how Muda put out the fire at the Halloween Havoc. And so I guess my question was, you guys kind of like, the Green Mist, is it a cheesy stereotype or is it a cool nostalgia act in moderation? Well, in fairness, I didn't believe in the Green Mist until I was on the subway once in New York and some <laughs> lady got my seat by blinding me with Green Mist. But up until then, I That's thought That's a shoot. Cheesy. <laughs> so, um, okay, so I, I love your topic. I love talking about the green mist like and green figuring mist. out if it's a stereotype. To me, the salt in the eyes is a little bit more of a story sure, stereotype. Sure. However, I do want to mention something that we kind of skated over there. Kabuki Warriors turned heel in that. Yeah, are they? He, that's interesting, <laughs> though. Like, I mean, I guess that's a heel turn. Yeah, that's uh, they. They had a bit of a heel turn there. And where the hell's Paige? I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, she's not their manager anymore. That's. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I don't did even they know. Spin they missing her face to fire. <laughs> <laughs> See, the mist, I don't know if it's, I don't know if the debate's as much, is it cheesy or is it hokey racist? Right. For me, it just brings me back and to Jerry has a mist. Yeah. For a lot of the Japanese wrestlers or Asian wrestlers. Yeah. It's a thing, whether it's a stereotype or not. It's in Japan, so. But yeah. it's awesome. So well, my, why my, get rid of my it? It's, right, it's like a superpower. Well, my the reason, salt in the eyes is a little worse, because like, where does that come from? Right, right. Well, well, he's not around anymore. Well, I can tell you where the salt in the eye comes from. That actually comes back from the old Yokozuna sumo wrestling, mm. and they used salt to actually purify the ring of evil spirits before wrestling. So that's where that stereotype came from in Japan. Right. However... The reason why I joked around about the subway and stuff like that is because nobody on the planet believes 
that there's a whole group of Asian people yeah, right. walking around, spitting green mist, just right. trying to blind people to do evil deeds. Yeah. So I think that... We got one Caucasian, dude, that, that'll yeah. miss you even worse. I, yeah. I, I think sometimes we have a tendency as a society now of looking into things, trying to find mm-hmm. some kind of racist angle and... Especially with pro wrestling. Sometimes you just yeah. gotta let it be a storyline. Very That's true. A, another thing to talk about this week, and it was something I was gonna bring up, Dave mentioned it shortly here. I thought that the Bray Wyatt, Hell in the Cell, mm. worst finish to a pay-per-view I've ever seen in my life. That's, uh, I have, first of all, nobody believes that there should be a disqualification in Hell in a Cell. They tried to justify that, I guess. There was something... They could try and justify yeah. it with everything they have on the planet. But we've seen people try to kill people throwing each other off of the cage. We've seen people do everything you can imagine inside that cage. And the number one thing about Hell in a Cell is it's supposed to be a finish to everything. And it's supposed to be exactly what it's called, Hell in a Cell. I'll say this. WWE had uh, potential for a lot of momentum that week. AEW, NXT, had just had the first Wednesday Night Wars. That was hot. People were buzzing. The Fox show, the initial Fox show, had the crossover. Plus, you had The Rock. Huge rating. Now you go into Hell in a Cell. And in my opinion, at least at the time, The Fiend was potentially the most over character in the business. And maybe you shouldn't have booked that match already if you didn't want to put the belt on him. But why not put the belt on him? You would have had so much buzz. Instead, the buzz was more, look, the WWE fucked up again. They dropped the ball with Bray Wyatt again between this and that uh, Haunted House pay-per-view from a couple years ago, the match with Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. They've wh- got such a good character, but they can't do anything interesting. Like I, I, I like the Firefly Funhouse. Oh, it's amazing. I think well, it's amazing. I haven't met anybody who doesn't like this. I have not met anybody who's not drawn in by this, and the WWE just has no idea. I will say this. I think he's going to come out even to be a bigger baby face now. Like, those fans are revolting, and I guess, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but to me, if I was booking this, again, armchair quarterback here, I would try to get the belt off of Rollins (laughs) and get some heel to have the belt. Like, do some kind of angle, maybe Orton or somebody, and Orton's got, like, a crew with him, and then they're talking shit, and at the end of the pay-per-view, I would have Wyatt come out and attack Orton. This way, he's just attacking, but then those babyface cheers are going to start yeah, to come in. And that's a good idea from where they've gone. Right. But here's they've the, already fucked up. But here's my fix problem. The problem. But here's my problem. You could have had the best heel. Yeah. Can you imagine if this guy only lived in, like, corners and darkness yeah. and... All of a sudden, he's got the belt. You can even have Bray come out without the belt. Mm-hmm. Like, well, no, the Fiend's the champion. I'm not the champion. Right, right, right. Hey, Fire. You know, that's the... That's the great part. Is he cuts promos as Bray Wyatt from the Funhouse. Exactly. That's like, <laughs> hey, I'm not the champion. He's the champion. Right, I don't know what right, you're talking right, about. Right, right. Speaking of monsters who are doing well, PCO last night on Ring of Honor, they had the big show there, crowning the number one contender for Roosh. PCO is now the number one contender for the world championship in Ring of Honor. That just happened last night. And how old is PCO? PCO know? is about 106. <laughs> it's got to be like 53. Well, he started wrestling long before I did. So yeah. that's yeah. Like, yeah. He's, so he's, he's, he's another Tim Storm story. Exactly. Yeah. And, but he's better. Hmm. He's better than he was when he was Carl. He could always do stuff as yeah. Carl yeah. Uh, Moulet. But he is actually a better storyteller now and is a much better character now. Also on that Ring of Honor show, Kelly Klein actually beat Angelina Love for the Women of Honor Championship. <coughs> um, and I'm not going to knock Angelina Love. People who know me know that I'm not the biggest fan 
of pom-pom wrestling, where it's just a pretty girl wrestling. But to me, Kelly Klein, much better representation of women of honor and much better wrestler. All right, well, I think we've covered up pretty much what we found passionate about this week. Guys, I think it's time to get into the 5-3-1, so let's do that now. This is our signature segment, the 5-3-1, where we each bring a top five list on a particular subject, argue it down to a top three list. From there, we move it to a top one. This week, our top five list is on the top five best promo people in the game. My number one is obvious, Ric Flair. My number two is The Rock. My number three is Stone Cold. My number four is Jim Cornette. And my number five is The Ultimate Warrior. Ric Flair, The Rock, Stone Cold. I don't think you need to explain why any of them are good promos. Nope. Cornette, you shouldn't have to explain, but there is a much younger audience nowadays that if they're not familiar with Cornette, they may not be into Cornette and not have looked into the history of anytime this guy is asked to cut a promo on almost anything, it's, in my opinion, it's always 100%. It's always entertaining. It's always full of life. To me, he's the top guy in the game, next to Flair. The Ultimate Warrior, I just have a personal attachment to because when I was young, the Ultimate Warrior was so entertaining. Mm. Now when I go back and watch him as an adult, it's some of the most nonsensical stuff I've ever heard. Plus, I don't know if you guys heard the speech he gave at UConn, but his craziest promo, he tried claiming that queering doesn't make the world go round. So, that was a recent thing he did in his promo work that really put him behind. Uh, Barely pulling the nose up on everything at that Hall of Fame before he died. Yeah. Dave, this who are your t- well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who are my Apparently favorite? not, Dave. Who are your top five favorite pros? My top five. Joe, maybe we should have disqualified this guy from the list because a lot of times we do that when guys are just so good. Because I'm going with number one, the Nick Chamoa. Woo! Ric Flair. It's hard not to. And, you know, it's personal preference. He's the best. He's the man. It's funny you had The Rock in at number two. I actually took The Rock off my list, even though he could be the goddamn number one. Because all these guys are great promos. But number two, I went with Dusty Rose, baby. The American Dream. All right, to me, outstanding promo. Number three, Rowdy Piper. The guy had the best heel heat in the business at one point. Number four, I went with a manager myself, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Awesome heel promo. Awesomely entertaining. And number five... The guy we had argued over a previous episode whether he should be in the top two or three of promos for managers. Paul Dangerously made my uh, list on uh, number five for promos. This is, the, this is the toughest list I have ever done in my life. Oh. I have crossed off and fought and put people on and then eliminated them and then put them back on. And I'm going to have to go with what I got here. I crossed Ric Flair off my list. Whoa! Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Who was good enough? Who was better than Flair? I replaced him with Iron Anderson. Oh, Iron's a good one. That's uh, that's uh, I I didn't want to have two horsemen on there. I think in fairness, I could have had both of them on there. But I didn't want to have two horsemen on there because I know that people that listen to this podcast know uh, that we're big horsemen fans and I didn't want it to be overly slanted. What about Arn's promos made him go onto your list versus Flair? Iron Anderson was one of those people when he cut a promo, you believed everything he was saying to you. His My Spot promo being the most famous. If he said to you, not only that, he's the person who came up with the horseman name. Yeah. He could be silly when he did the, I don't mean to toot our own horn, but toot, toot. Yeah. I mean, he just, 
He did promos that you believed it, even when he was in the Dangerous Alliance. When he told you, hey, we're going to break your arm. I believed him. He was going to break my damn arm. Oh, yeah. That's Great awesome. little one-line quip story. I remember saying to Steve Austin one time, he's like, you like barbecuing? And Steve's like, yeah. And he goes, let's cook. And then he punched him in the face. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, who do you got after Iron on that? I got place? Cactus Jack. Oh, that's a good one. And, and when I put Cactus Jack on there, I mean Mick Foley yeah. in general. Sure. But that's another guy. He would do a promo where he's tearing his own hair out. Mm-hmm. He did another promo where he's punching himself in the face until the point where he starts bleeding oh, yeah. while he's telling you. And every time he did a promo, whatever his character was, he did it in a different style. Sure. That's though whether it was the dude love, whether it was the mankind, it could have been so easy to make mankind and Cactus Jack similar. And he managed to make them very separate. Actually, yeah, Foley was a guy who could have easily been number one on my list. I can't believe I forgot him. He was doing the stuff in promos that Guerrero and Benoit were doing to themselves backstage, exactly. being that crazy, and, and really I, bringing that manic out of them. And I, unfortunately, I think there's a group now who remember him as the cartoon character he turned into, where he's coming into the guy who's all, Welcome to Cleveland! Yeah. But that's not the Mick Foley interviews that I remember. No, no, no. This guy is insane. Was insane too. Even when he was wrestling Vader, I, people make fun of all the time when he did the amnesia angle and yeah. he was in Cleveland trying to find Cactus Jack. But those promos are insane. Yeah. Yeah. Another good one, Jake Roberts. Oh yeah. Not on anybody's <laughs> list, but Jake Roberts to me, he had that creepy voice. He scared the shit out of me as a kid because yeah. he was like that serial killer that might live next door. Now those of us who grew up where we did, we grew up next to Michael Ross so we grew mm. up with a serial killer mm-hmm. next door. But this guy could have actually... Shout out to Michael Ross. <laughs> yeah. this, this guy, This guy could have been that guy. He, he was so calm when he was telling The Undertaker why he stuffed him in the casket. Yeah. When he was telling Hogan what he was going to do. When he described to Ricky Steamboat what it felt like bouncing his skull off the concrete. That's, uh, it was, it was creepy. Yeah. That's, uh. Why you let Warrior get bit by a cobra. Exactly. That's, uh, it was absolutely Trust terrifying. Yeah. Obviously, I got Rowdy Piper like you do. We, yeah. We've talked about this in the past where... I am a huge Rowdy Piper fan. Whether he was a good guy or a bad guy, he just, you never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. He's another person who later on in life became a bit of a caricature of himself. Sure. But his early work, if you check him out in Georgia Championship Wrestling, check him out in the Portland organization. I saw something with him breaking an actual beer bottle over his head a couple of That's weeks. actually from Portland. That was yeah. when he was um, feuding with Buddy Rose. He took a beer bottle and said, how are you going to hurt me? And actually broke a beer bottle over his own skull. Right. And now, here's another one who didn't make anybody's list, but quite frankly to me, passed away way too early. Brian Pillman. Was actually considered to be on my list. Yeah. Yeah, Brian, Brian Pillman, to me, um, a lot of what I saw later on in Steve Austin, mm-hmm. when he did get better on his promos later on, came from a similarity to Brian Pillman where he blurs that line of reality and is able to actually really convince you that what you're seeing in front of you is legit. Alright, let's try to narrow this down here a little bit. So we got Flair on two lists. I feel like he moves on. I think so. Piper's on two lists. He moves on. Here's the hard one. We're going to take Cornette from one list. Jake Roberts from another list. Dusty. Although it is hard to beat Dusty. I mean, has anybody gone farther with the gift of gab than Dusty Rhodes? Yeah. Three world titles. <laughs> he <laughs> uh, he made a he did a lot with the personality he had. I even I don't know if he'd dots. be. But I mean, to me, it's kind of corny. 
Cornette, Heenan, Jake Roberts of people that haven't made it on every list. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I actually. I so, can... who do you guys like better out of those three? Dusty. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> okay, so. Uh... Unfortunately, producer Joe, um, we both agree on Dusty. Dusty? <laughs> All right, Dusty moves on. Uh, then. And, 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 here's, and here's the way I'm going to get this over. I know uh-huh. Dave a lot of times likes to quote other talent, uh-huh. but. Any professional wrestler who has ever worked with Dusty Rhodes, if you ask them who's responsible for the best promos in the business, they will tell you about Dusty Rhodes. True, he did run the promo class yeah. at NXT. Yeah. So now for a top three, we're down to Flair, Piper, Dusty. Ah, now this is where. Oh, wow. Oh, woof. Who's the first one out? I think Joe's got rid of Dusty. <laughs> what, what a great triple threat match this would have been. Uh. Wow. So, can we agree oh, on... Does Piper the... drop out just because Flair and Dusty are such a powerful one and two? I don't know. Flair being I mean, I know you're going with people's that. and memories, for, for but Dusty one. being arguably before, the one with the greatest before we, talent. Before we whittle this one down, I want to make it clear that no matter who actually wins from this one, we're all winners for getting to hear these three guys do promos. Sure. That's, uh, a lot of those other guys that we mentioned too could easily be on this list. The fucking rock. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he was all right. These were all heavy hitters. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So I think at this point we do have to kind of go a little bit with our preferences just because they're all so great. I don't think we can say necessarily one's better than the other one. I'm going to eliminate Piper actually. Piper as a character to me was more over, but when I look at his promos and stuff like that, Piper's promos were good, but there's times where they weren't good. Yeah. Flair and Dusty to me, I don't remember many bad promos from Flair and Dusty. I actually don't remember any right now, but I mean, I'm not saying it never happened, but, yeah. I actually agree with you. I am going to eliminate Piper, but I do want to say this for Piper. Mm. Without Rowdy Piper doing the promos that he did in the mid-80s, I'm not sure that the Hogan era works oh, right. as well as it does. Actually, a uh, freaking on-fire babyface Dusty and an on-fire heel Piper promo back in the day could have been magic. Exactly. So yeah. so I do want to give Piper all the credit in the world there. Uh, obviously, Piper Pitt, one of the greatest segments of all time. So now we got to look at this here. we got Dusty and Flair. What's more important, the guy who got the heat they're, you know, they're kiss-stealing, wheel-a-dealing son of a bitch. Or is it the coming man, baby? And it's tough because both guys, I would say, are... It's arguably an NWA versus NWA debate. They both had Synonymous. WWE time. But and I wouldn't say their this promos there stood out. Let's right. make this clear, too. This isn't who's the greatest and who's been on top more. Yeah. That's, you know, Ric Flair's had the most success. Yeah, and he's by far a better wrestler. Right. But we're talking about just promos, just captivating an audience. Okay. I'm so, not saying it's not Dusty. So now, so now here's the reason why I'm going to go for Flair. Okay. This is very easy for me. Flair, to me, a lot of what he did was original. Mm-hmm. His promos were his promos. He was doing it. Dusty Rhodes, to me, was a sampling of John Wayne, Billy Graham... Wait a minute now. Dusty might have did it before Billy Graham. He may have. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but he was more pulling from a stock of like pre-made but, lines. Exactly. Pre-written stuff. Although, Flair go, was doing promos in his underwear. Let's go dropping back. Dropping elbows yeah, on his let's suit. Let's talk about this for a second though. Let's give, I, I'm not saying I'm going to disagree. I might be leaning towards Flair. But I want to throw this out there. Flair tried to be Dusty Rhodes. It was Dusty did. Rhodes who told Ric Flair, go be Ric Flair. 
But, like I said before... I guess I'm shooting holes in some of what you're saying. I think Dusty might be just Dusty. But, like, and I think he is to a point. But even he has said, and Jim Ross on his podcast has also said, Dusty Rhodes basically thought of himself as John Wayne. But that's a good thing in some ways, though. It is. He convinced himself and believed that given. Now, I will say this, though. I guess at the end of the day, I mean, and we're talking shades here, but, like, what's closer to a damn shoot of who they really are? Well, <laughs> for better or worse, that would be the nature of what Ric Flair. Yeah, although the people, once again, who have known Dusty, say that no matter when you ran into Dusty Rhodes, there was no more Virgil Reynolds. Actually, I will tell a quick story I heard uh, <laughs> on a podcast one time when Paige was giving an interview that um, she was in NXT trying to be herself, and somebody higher up had uh, tried to change her look, and basically... Page had put something on, some kind of jacket or something she didn't feel comfortable doing, and an executive had mentioned it. It was a little higher up, and Dusty came by and saw it, and the executive was there, and Dusty just said, what the hell you got that shit on for, baby? You look like shit. You my dragon queen. Get that stupid shit off. <laughs> and Paige was like, Dusty didn't give a fuck who he offended. Yeah. Is Dusty the best promo since he was Flair's inspiration? Oof. That's a good question. Because I didn't think um, about that until just now when you mentioned it. Because yeah. part of the credit you should get is your promo. But I think also the influence you have on others should be a part of it. But, and if you inspire the best, by the way, doesn't quick, that partially make you By the, the way, best? quickly, shame on us for Billy Graham not actually being on Amazon. That's a good boy. Um, but, <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? I'm going with Dusty Rhodes. I was going to go Ric Flair. Yeah. I'm going with Dusty Rhodes. I grew up in Florida. I can tell you the impact that Dusty Rhodes had on the Florida Championship Wrestling and the NWA. We don't have um, the NWA Wrestling of the mid-80s without Dusty Rhodes. So, you know what? American Dream, you got my vote. Alright, so Dusty wins this week's poll. We want to know what you guys think. Find us on Twitter, at Fans Working. The Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. The email, Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. You can listen to us, as always, on Anchor FM. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. The important thing with those last two is please subscribe, rate, and review. And Randy, Player FM's coming soon if we haven't already got it under our belt. Guys, thank you for listening to the 531 here on YouTube this week. If you like what you hear, you can always find us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and on the Apple Podcast where you can subscribe and also give us a five-star rating. We appreciate you listening. We want your feedback, 531, and if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, we also want you to let us know and let us know what your 531 would be. Come up with a top five and let us know and we'll tell you why you're wrong. And in order for us to do that, please contact us on Twitter, we're at Fans Working, Facebook page, Working Fans Wrestling Pod, email WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. It's very important that you actually contact us on these platforms because we want this to be your interactive place to talk wrestling. 
All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 